Once upon a time, two powerful demons came to the same place, a place they thought Agrippina could not see them. Well, not once upon a time, several times upon a time, repeatedly upon a time. These creatures that had patiently, determinedly, relentlessly built up their power have never been able to resist using it against one another. But once upon a time, two powerful demons came to the same place. They would have come to blows, too, and in the process doomed countless people. Except that one person stood, with equal patience and determination, between them to mediate. This, according to the story, was the first arcanist. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. I'm your host, King Cat, and I'm doing great. And everything's fine. Hi, Cat. Hi, Kirsten. How are you doing? I'm good. Doing better than Penelope. I'm sure some some hugs will, will make her feel better. Everything's fine. She's just fine. Aw. Yeah. I'm sure it's just hugs in store for Penelope. I'm sure. Just fine. Just hugs. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Kathleen, are you worried about it? Hmm. Honestly, I've got more pressing concerns on my mind right now. Mm, valid. There is room in my heart for all sorts of worry, but uh, this is not one thing I'm worried about right now. What about you, Nick? Are you concerned? I mean, I'm always concerned. Yeah, that tracks. But I think I think for now we'll say no. Okay. It'll make Penelope feel better. Aw, thanks, Nick. Special guest Dylan, are you concerned about what's to come? Um, I don't know if I'm concerned. I'm just, I'm thumbing through the show notes here, and it says that now I am the evil vizier planning the downfall of host King Cat. <laughs> oh. Where'd you get those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were passing those notes out, like, the other day, and, like, we thought that you were at the meeting, but you weren't, and it was a little awkward. Yeah, Kathleen, like, I, yeah. but I, I... Don't, don't, don't worry. That's, like, a, that's a, like, third act twist. We got time. Okay, okay, okay. All right. We'll worry about that when the third act rolls around, then. Yeah. Welcome, everyone, to Sword of Symphonies. Previously on Sword of Symphonies, the Ash Duke's influence on Penelope reached a dangerous crescendo, and Penelope gave in completely to the power of the demon and became possessed. The party actually had to fight a demonic Penelope in order to somehow get through to their dim friend that they weren't trying to drown her. And they were successful. Penelope's wings of fire disappeared. She descended to the ground and was wrapped up in a big old hug with her crewmates. Aww. And everything is fine now, probably. Yeah, just fine. And I think that's where we pick up. Everything is just fine, <laughs> says Cobb as arrows are stuck in him. <laughs> Half of those are self-inflicted. I'm feeling great. <laughs> Doing fine. <laughs> uh, so Penelope slowly stands up and wipes away the hot tears from her cheeks. She looks at them and says, I'm so sorry, everyone, for all the pain I caused. She glances at Cobb. Theo comes up from behind Penelope and gets her in the back of the knee with the butt end of the glaive's handle to get her attention and, like, 
pokes her so that she like falls down a little bit. <laughs> Ow. And then uh, he points to Polly and says, apology. <laughs> Penelope kind of like sheepishly heads up to Polly and extends a hand and she's like, you too, Polly. I, I made you ride unwillingly and you knew better. Kind of stands there just waiting. Don't worry about it too much. Demonic influence is pretty nasty. Cobb is like slowly shifting around to try and get comfortable. Penelope she picks up a, a handful of clover. Is is there is there clover nearby? I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna let you have it. <laughs> she picks up a handful of clover and she extends a fistful of it towards Polly. Uh, here, Polly, it, it's your favorite. She kind of nudges closer. She does come forward and eat it. And she looks at you. She kind of looks back and nudges closer again. And it's only a couple degrees. Only about like a like a little slight movement. But she does rear back and give you a little headbutt. Oh, oh well, I guess that that's fair. That's totally fair. And it's only a couple degrees, but I think it is enough to knock Penelope to the ground. <laughs> And she snorts at you and then lowers her neck so that you can grab onto her horns. Oh, thanks, Polly. And Penelope kind of dusts herself off and sort of strokes Polly's mane. So, yeah, we're not doing that again. If you talk to the demons again, I don't know, we're going to have to revoke your snack privileges or something. Can we do that? Is that... Hmm. Oh, all right. Penelope kind of like searches her pockets and she realizes that she's got nothing in them. She's like, oh no, I'm totally out of pocket snacks. She kind of, <laughs> as if that's the worst thing that's happened. I, I have a feeling you're going to be fine. Your hair is back to its original color. That's, that's, at least we, we got rid of, rid of that. We should probably head back to the monastery, though. I'm sure our new friend um, would like to report what has happened. Um, and also, I could, use a, I could use a stiff drink and a couple of bandages. While they're having this conversation, Theo kind of, like, sat down in the dirt and, like, called Ira over and, like, did that thing where you put your thumbs in, like, the jowls of a dog's mouth and, like, open the mouth wide. And he's just talking to Ira and he says, if I ever do shit like that, you have permission to... Drag me back tooth and nail, right? Oh, and like, yeah, she gives a cheerful little nod. Like, yeah, you could see her tails wagging, like having a great time. Just like Theo staring into the open maw, just like bright with white flame. <laughs> he turns to Cobb. Um, I am still a bit concerned that despite the momentary issue being solved, that getting back into close proximity of the ambassador might still not exactly be safe. I don't know if we've just suppressed the problem. This is a, an important concern. Um, this is gonna roll understanding spirits. Cobb, while I understand your interest in getting a night's sleep, I would like one myself. I'm pretty tired, but I don't know if it's safe to. It might be best camping here. Possibly. Um, how are you feeling, Penelope? You hearing anybody else in there? Mm, I'm a little tired, but... My mind's clearer than it has been for days, or... But how long? Has it been about, like, two days? Uh-ish. Day and a half, something like that. Great. Sounds good to me. Um, 
So I've been thinking about demons, but also read, um, can you do something about all of the arrows? Oh, yes. And Penelope suddenly notices all the arrows that are sticking out of Cobb, and she kind of comes over. I'm so sorry. I Here, let me help. Uh, I, I feel myself again, but, I mean, if, if you trust me. Yeah, just be careful. Oh. Here, I'll help you get started. And, and Cobb breaks the head off the arrow that's stuck in his hand. Oh, I think the other one's going to be a little, a little rougher. Okay, here, and she finds like an old blanket or something uh, to kind of wrap up his wounds. Theo offers his uh, cleaning kit, the little like personal like hygiene uh, oh. kit that he carries as well to clean the wounds. Oh, thanks, Theo. Of course. And please keep an, an eye on me, you know, just in case anything happens. There hasn't been a moment I haven't been. By the way, we should probably get a uh, fire started here, everybody. I um, will probably need cauterizing. Mm. Mm. Yes, I wonder why. And Theo glares at Cobb. Uh, don't worry about it. This isn't the worst that's ever happened to me. Mm. Cobb is absolutely covered in small, like, sword scars and other things. So it is the afternoon, and it's sounding to me like the party's setting up camp? That's the decision Cobb wants. Yeah. Cobb wants at the minimum to have fire about for, like, first aid type stuff. Mm. I, um, Kirsten, I don't know what your scatter is like, but the word life is in the air. Oh, yeah. I, like, the last encounter, it was, like, special moves, so... My scatter should be okay. There's magic in this game, and you all just jump straight to cauterizing. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I was going to suggest magic. I just don't have much left to work with before I go. Actually, you know what? This is... No, no, no. I'm not scolding you, Dylan. <laughs> You're a precious angel who can do no wrong. I'm scolding Kirsten mostly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this hasn't really been my, my best plan. Um, here, uh, let me just check back in my book see what I have left from, from the last time. You used six scatter uh. to try to juke us about a big predator or whatever. Right, right, right. I tried to, like, deceive you all before I, you know, took to the air. <laughs> yeah, but you only spent a couple on that, didn't you? Spent six. Oh, was it six? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I can just do summon fire. Yeah, so I should have, like, four left then? Mm-hmm. How does um, restoring life sound? Okay. This is going to cosmetically deal with the horrible wounds. And I think, I mean, we're out of combat. I'm fine with two for two and restoring four HP. Sure. Um, so I'll spend two to help sped, uh, fix up couple's wounds. So Penelope puts her hands over his wounds, closes her eyes, and sort of a faint glow starts to emanate from them. Here. Uh, this works much better than fire. <laughs> she she kind of chuckles to herself. Oh, well, that works too. While they're doing this, I think Theo starts getting to work on the fire and to save time, just grabs a stick and looks at Ira and says, open, and then sticks it in her mouth and pulls it back <laughs> out and then throws it into a pile of uh, sticks. She loves this game. I feel like this is a game she's familiar with. She loves this game. Yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. She sits by the fire. She's wagging her tails like, yeah, we did it. <laughs> Tessa reemerges from somewhere slightly out of sight with some like other dry dead wood. It's like, oh, oh, yeah. Huh. OK, well, there's more now. That's perfect. Um, we're camping pretty early, so we might actually need it to get through the night. Mm. <sighs> and Cobbs looks over at where the arrow in his arm was and, oh, yeah, code's fine. Weird. Huh. I was going to ask if you could sew that up, but I guess it's doing its own thing. Cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the anime power of your coat can't be harmed by arrows. <laughs> I mean, it is literally a magical item yeah. or construct, I should say. So I don't know if it's real or not. I guess that's that's up to Kat and you, the listener. <laughs> so two successes on understanding spirits. Tissa has been mulling over this idea of what we should be doing and where we should be going. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two successes on understanding spirits will tell you that the Ashduke himself was not present in that fight. There was no contact with the Ashduke. He hasn't himself put up a fight. Mm-hmm. And he seems like the sort who would. Mm-hmm. I think based on what you've seen of the Ashduke, it's reasonable to assume it's not over yet. Tissa is sitting by the fire and is probably doing some like small maintenance on like the various edge things she has with her her boot knife the spear tip and sort of just says because this is her way uh, so he's going to do something again huh i think theo actually joins tissa to in weapon maintenance mm-hmm He's going to do something again, because, I mean, he's gotta, right? This is, he's, his whole thing is, uh, expand authority. His whole thing is being a jerk. Mm. I agree with you, Tissa. Unfortunately, as much as I hate to admit it, if there's one thing I understand, it's stubborn pride. <laughs> and he and I seem to have that in common, so... Yes, I wouldn't stop. He won't. I mean, he's probably here, too. He's been ever... He's probably here, too. Actually, Kirsten kind of explicitly said when she was taking off that she was headed toward the Duke's territory. <laughs> oh, that's that's true. I did. Um, so Penelope yeah. kind of uh, turns to them and says, I would like to try to get as far away from, from his territory as we can. Well, it seems, at least from, I guess, my understanding from what Tissa and uh, Theo were mentioning, that it sounds like he probably won't try anything if we're up at the mouth of the river, so still sounds like a good idea to me. I don't know that for sure, but I would really like that to be the case. And since, since the Ash Duke was in Penelope's head, could I roll an understanding roll to help figure out his plan of what he might do next? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He actually stated what his plans were, which is to say he is kind of playing with the ambassador. He's corrupting things and people to find out what she does. The hounds 
Penelope, these were all, in his words, experiments. Ah, yes, the manipulated variable. Manipulated variable, exactly. So Penelope uh, mentions that he said he was doing some kind of experiment on her and her beings. He kind of wants to see how she reacts to him. Theo, Kat, I'd like to do dice. Please do dice. Which dice would you like to do? So I think Theo, having kind of had this unwanted revelation of uh, similarity and personality with the Duke to a certain extent, and realizing that he's intelligent as much as he hates him, I'd like to roll understanding tactics, like understanding now his goal and how he's been going about it, if Theo can kind of intuit what the next step would be. Yeah, I like that. Well, despite all the dice I got to roll, that was not too great. That was two successes and one edge success. Um, keep the edge success that I'm going to be slightly meaner in terms of what his next step is. Mm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll decline. <laughs> no, thank you. Okay. Okay. All right. His target has always been the ambassador. His next step would be closer to Dunbarrow. Okay. Whether that would be corrupting territory, corrupting more people. His experiments are focused on the ambassador, not on you guys. He understood. Well, I think for the moment, if I'm right in my assumptions, he's not exactly directly antagonizing us so much as her, so... The further we get away, the less we matter. The less likely she is to react to anything we do, the less he cares. Mm. No offense, Penelope. Oh, none taken. I have no desire to be in his sights again. Well, good. That sounds like we don't have to... uh, As long as we get away from him, he'll lose interest. Wonderful. Well, in us. Yes, in us. Um... Kat, could I use clear speaking to talk to Gedeum? And how much would that cost? Um, I'm going to say it's going to cost two scatter for each back and forth. That is to say, you say something, one scatter, she replies, one scatter. You say something, one scatter, she replies, one scatter. So, in that case, Tissa, like, pauses for a second and sort of nods at herself and like makes some gestures that mean that the wheels are tuning and says should we let people know cause if we're out here and he doesn't care he's going to care about something this is a fair point Information is valuable, you're correct. If we can relay a message, it's at least worth trying. My fear is that knowledge will only go so far. I don't know if there's a lot that they can do to try and stop it at this point. Knowing will help Mm. at least somewhat, but I doubt there's really anyone who has the power to prevent it. Mm. But you have a whole bunch of friends, right? Yes, um, and like myself, when it comes to actually getting in the presence of our new friend, I fear they'll be as, um, ineffectual as I was. Hmm. What about the ambassador, though? She doesn't seem to like this guy at all. 
See, that's the problem, is he seems keen to actually tee up obstacles for her to take care of because he's playing with her. I don't think he'll ever get close enough to risk his own skin. So, even then, trying to get her to directly take action in a way that we want is questionable. It's worth a shot, but that would be up to my father and the rest of the monastery to make an attempt at. Yeah, I don't want to talk directly to the ambassador. Not like this, anyway. Well, directly talking to her, I think, is a bit of a hill to climb. <laughs> it seems like, it, to me, that the Duke doesn't want to be in her presence because I get the feeling that if it did come down to it, she would come out on top fairly easily. Yeah, where she lacks in subtlety, she certainly makes up for in brute force, and he seems quite the opposite. But again, I guess the problem there is pointing the two of them in the right direction, when neither of them certainly wants to listen to us. And therein is the problem. Hmm. What do you think that older arcanist talked to her about? Um, Kat, do I know kind of how the communication between... The Arcanists, like, largely goes with the Ambassador? Is it less a dialogue and more of just a trying to maintain, like, an equilibrium? Or is there, like, any line of dialogue? It's kind of a combination of dialogue with the demon person that is the Ambassador in Pearl. And a lot of it is extremely ritualized because it is contact with a demon. It's usually left to the elders at the monastery. Okay. It's something that arcanists train specifically in at this monastery. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like part ritual, part summit. All right. Tissa, it wouldn't hurt to at least send some sort of word so that they can, I don't know, make an attempt. Mm. With any luck, maybe the elders can do something, but it might take too long to really create an immediate effect. But again... Doing something as opposed to nothing is always better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I guess Tissa doesn't have to talk to Gedeum specifically. It just seems that, like, Gedeum or Sot would be the people that she would have more of a connection with in order to be able to speak clearly in the first place. I like that, frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tissa stands up as though she's going to do something dramatic and realize that that's kind of silly and so sits back down and sort of puts the spear between her feet and kind of leans her head and the brim is sort of mostly covering her face onto the shaft of the spear and concentrates and we see little flecks of tiny glowing particles kind of like Maybe they're embers from the fire. Maybe they are something else sort of carry up into the sky off and sort of get blown by a wind back in the direction of Dunbarrow. And Tissa says to Gedeum, uh, Hi, we're all okay, mostly. We're going to be going to the river's origin of the Crying Night River, where we're going to help out Red but um, the Duke has more things that he's probably going to be doing near where you are. And I'm sorry, I'm not telling you everything, 
But maybe you could also let the arcanists know some of that type things. Okay. Roger, or rather, reporting for duty. Baby and I are doing just fine. He finally woke up, so we're going to go for a walk to the monastery. No problem. Stay safe. Don't do anything without thinking about it. <laughs> Bye. I'm going to scatter a third time just for Tessa laughing there. <laughs> Can I just say I love, like, I love that back and forth. And that message was the most Tissa thing. And I love it. It's a direct line of communication to the way that Tissa thinks. Mm-hmm. Therefore. Yep. <laughs> Therefore. It is a bunch of like vaguely connected images and like ideas that go together. I love it. Okay. So we've reached the conclusion of what we need to do, which is great. And we've reached the dinner hour as well. The sun is declining into the foothills. The last tooth is casting a long shadow as the sun just dips behind the treacherous peak of the last the last young mountain in Amilda. Um, um, Tissa has been casually giving general, I am willing to interact with the dog signals to Ida <laughs> in case she would be interested. But while she's doing that, she asks Theo, oh, you said about the staff route. That's right. Um, does anyone have um, cooking, camping supplies? I didn't. We left in a hurry. I didn't bring anything with me. Penelope pats her pockets. Nah, I I, I think I used all my food already. That's what he meant. That's not what I meant. (laughs) I meant, like, a pot, cooking stand. Okay. Um, Cookware, no, but um, I do have a knife. We can whittle a cooking stick. Here, I'll actually, we won't need it. We had to do this a few times um, back home just because it would be too cold. So Theo begins setting up to do a cooking technique where you wrap usually like tubers or other types of like ground growing foods in leaves and bury it under the fire so it cooks through like you're baking it. Kind of like how you'd make like a baked potato. Oh yeah. And so he just like cuts slits in them so they can breathe a little bit and let the water kind of boil out from the inside and grab some like nearby wild herbs, nothing too fancy, just something to make it not taste like it's raw, and then wraps it in leaves and buries it under the fire and says, well, uh, this is a little less sophisticated than what I was hoping for, but give it a few minutes and we should have something not horrible. Thank you, Theo. Thank you. Of course. Yeah, it it sounds delicious. So I would actually, as your GM... Like for everyone to give me survival rolls. Okay. Pick a stat. Um, okay. I think understanding survival. I think Cobb's going to do adaptability because he's not used to baked potatoes. He's used to hardtack. Yep. I got a three successes, one edge success. Beautiful. Cobb got two successes and one edge success. Lovely. Penelope got one success, two edge successes. Okay. Gonna do understanding survival. Perfect. That is also what I did. Oh no, Tissa. 
does not have any luck. This is, I think, the first... I've got some fours, but I don't want to use any of them. Ooh, ooh, wait. Okay. Wait, hold on. I can do the thing. You could do the thing. I'm gonna... I'm gonna spend two scatter and let Tissa re-roll that with my understanding, which is a four. Great. Oh, that's three successes. Much better. There you go. So I think Theo notices Tissa having a hard time and just kind of, like, scoots closer and puts a hand on her shoulder and kind of just, like, quietly, without saying anything, starts, like showing her what he's doing um, so that she can mirror it. Actually, the river's nearby. Three was the difficulty for finding the party some fish. Ooh. Oh. So I, I do very much like the idea of Theo and Tissa going fishing together. Aww. Yeah. Oh, that's delightful. I like to picture this as the two of them literally wading into the water with spear and glaive in hand and just like spearing for fish. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I imagine the butt end of the glaive is, like, slightly pointed. Mm, you've said as much, yeah. Yeah, Theo just uses the butt end. Yeah, I love that. And two, so Cobb. What, what did Penelope get again? Um, Penelope got one success and two edge. Okay. For two, Cobb is going to find some. Let's see, I don't think Cobb's a very good forager. I think two successes will let Cobb just set up as nice a campsite as is possible. He finds some good seats for everybody, just makes a nice, cozy campsite. How does that sound to you, Nick? Sounds good to me. And one success, I think Penelope finds some edible greens. I think Theo actually roots around at the floor of the river and actually manages to find a couple large flat stones and actually sets them next to the fire so that they get hot so that they can cook the fish on it. Nice. Excellent. This is making me hungry, guys. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> <sighs> hmm. Hmm. Um, um, Glaives, a long time ago, it, maybe it wasn't a long time ago, uh, did you climb this way? Um, when, when you, Glaives, tell me about your pilgrimage. Um, uh, that's, hmm. It's a bit of a long story. I didn't... <laughs> to your first question, I briefly passed through along this way. I didn't make it all the way to the mouth of the river where it begins, but did follow it for a fair ways before ascending further up. Um, mm. I mean, I know it seems a bit of a long story to get into. Well, uh, uh, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, on mine, I, um, I passed out when I cast my first magic, and then I nearly died, but I didn't, and it was okay. I, um, what I can tell you is that, um, I, I guess I confirmed my own stubbornness in a certain way when climbing. Um, I think most of the hurdles I encountered were caused by myself during my ascent, so... Well, this time your problems have been caused by us, and hopefully no more. <laughs> I hope so as well. Um, no. I mean, I don't know if this is better or worse, but I wouldn't even be climbing it if it wasn't for you, so there's, I don't know. Mm. If that's good or bad, I'd probably be having bread at the monastery right now, so... Um, this is certainly more interesting than being there, at least for the moment. Um, 
for the good and bad. <laughs> so the party is as the sun declines behind the last tooth, sitting around a fire, just enjoying some grilled fish with local herbs. The staff root is, I'm going to say like kind of firm and kind of crunchy, but like it gives way to your teeth. It has kind of a nutty flavor to it. Almost similar to like a lotus root. Mm-hmm. But maybe not as crunchy because those are water roots. But Penelope has provided a nice salad of just kind of mixed wild greens. Ira is thrilled to have fish. She passes some to Polly too, of the greens. Yeah. I going to say, Polly filches the greens whether you pass them or not. <laughs> And like Ira is a daemon. I don't know that she needs to eat necessarily, but she will absolutely filch some fish if given the opportunity. <laughs> I think Theo actually just like gets small pieces of each thing and waves his hand at Ira and she sits perfectly upright and just opens her mouth and he just like throws them into the fire Aww. and just like is practicing his aim. Just like, don't move. And then <laughs> tries to get it perfectly in her mouth. And then they disappear with like a crackle, just like. Like her tail is going like a mile a minute, but the rest of her is trying very hard to sit still for this game. Aww. <laughs> so very good. <laughs> she, she likes this game, but she's she's had to work very hard on the stillness part of this game. <laughs> and she still kind of does that snapping thing where she tries to catch the food out of the air. Absolutely. Actually, I think uh, Cobb, in between rubbing at his uh, arm and, and hand, will mentions to Theo. So, these are the only ones around here, right? I don't know. Like, are there more? Are we gonna have to deal with more of them? Three is a lot. Like, it's, it, even for us, three is a lot. Usually, it's only the one for us. Or was it two that one time? Oh boy, wouldn't you know? There's like eight more. Cat, hey, how many? Are there any more <laughs> in the area? That depends. <laughs> In your planned course to the river's origin and back to Dunbarrow, no. Okay. If your planned course includes going further up the mountain, boy howdy, yes, so many. Well, it sort of depends on whether or not we're planning to go back to the monastery after this. You want to climb, so yes, very much yes, many, many more. Well... Hopefully the other, the rest of them will uh, leave us alone for a little bit. Hmm. Um, truly mm. no offense meant, but from everything I've learned of all of you, I find that hard to believe. Usually this happens because, uh, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to lie to you. A lot of the times we're the instigators of this sort of thing. So I figure if we don't, then it should be fine, right? That does make sense. Like, if we don't? That's... That is a, a logical line of thought. <sighs> if I behave, I'm sure things will be okay. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll stay... I'll stay close and behave this time. How do you keep track of them all? I suppose it's like anything else that you have to keep track of, but there seem like a lot of them. The thing with, like, the weather is it doesn't want anything, though. It just kind of is. Some of the weather doesn't want things. Mm. 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 
<laughs> I think Theo's just kind of like listening to this conversation, kind of like passing glances back and forth to Tissa and Cobb <laughs> as they're having this exchange. I'm just confused. Yeah, you you were saying that Augustine said something about being friends with with inclement weather. It's very strange. Hmm. I think it's a specific inclement weather, though. I don't think it's all inclement weather. I think it's just the one. Just the one. Just the one. Just the one. Hmm. Although I don't, I don't think we should go back uh, to that sort of mixer again. It was a really good storm the first time that we met, and it was a little scary that you just stopped and kind of looked off for a while, but that's okay. It all turned out okay. Oh, did that happen? Sorry. Mm. And night falls, and thanks to Cobb's efforts, the party has a nice rest in comfortable tents. Everyone's able to get a good sleep for tomorrow. And the next day... The next day comes early, as it always does when you're camping. One by one, you open your eyes. In what order, that's up to you to decide. But notice that your your noses and your eyebrows are cold. Step out into a damp early morning world glistening with sunlight and water. And it's time to start heading toward the last tooth. I'm trying to decide right now where we're at. Or at the campsite. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Theo specifically is at the river washing his hair. Yeah. Is Theo an early riser? Oh, absolutely. I think he was up first and because he doesn't want anyone to see how horrible he looks fresh out of bed. <laughs> like, hair is a mess. He's just, like, looks like shit. He takes a short walk to the river and, you know gets himself cleaned up. Yeah, I was going to say, like, he lives at a monastery. He is most certainly the earliest riser out of all of us. Yeah. Mm. And we have some early risers in the party. Yeah. I imagine by the time Theo gets back, Coach Cobb is up and running. Yeah, Cobb is up as soon as the sun is. Cobb gets the unique experience of seeing Theo with his hair not tied back and slightly wet, and he looks like something out of a horror movie. Just, like, long black hair, like, sticking to the face, hanging down straight. <laughs> Not a morning person, are you? I actually quite like the mornings. It's just the rest of me doesn't seem to. Fair enough. Uh, Tissa should be up soon. Penelope will be up when Penelope is up. <laughs> I think at hearing her name, Penelope kind of, like, rolls over and is like, Yeah, I'm up. I'm getting up. No, well, that's that's unique. You've seen a you've seen a first, Theo. <laughs> I'll count myself lucky. <laughs> Did I catch sarcasm in that? It was not subtle. <laughs> <laughs> Penelope kind of like gets up. She's a mess in the mornings, but she's more the kind of person that just like comes out bundled up in a blanket and with a kind of wise at morning look on her face and hair just standing up everywhere and just like it doesn't matter to her that she, she's just like, it's too early in the morning to think about it. She comes out and sits by the other two. As you're sitting around the fire trying to get ready for the journey, which is going to take you probably until the afternoon to get to the mouth of the river. You're not far. You just keep getting sidetracked by demon stuff. Mm-hmm. As you do. Yep. 
There is at first just one pale blue light that drifts down from above like a single snowflake. And then there are a couple more. These little jagged sparkling silver blue lights. And eventually they form a human silhouette. It's a blank human silhouette made of nothing but bluish light. And it appears in front of Tissa and it waves. Oh, hello. And you could hear a voice come out of it. I've told them everything. Things are about to get strange around here. Don't be scared. I'll take care of it. Mm. All right. I believe you. We will keep going up the mountain. Leave baby and the people here to me. Thank you. Bye-bye. And then it dissolves. Who was that, Tessa? That was good. Um, apparently things are happening. Hmm. So, we have climbing to do. So we will do climbing. We will do climbing, and at the river's origin, there will be a demon, and maybe there will be another demon? Who knows? There, We have seen more demons than in the past, like, how long has it been since the north? A long time. Anyway, more of them, I guess. Let's do this, I guess. Mm. Now, when it rains, it pours, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it does just rain, though. Not this time. And you all pick up the campsite, get everything cleaned up, and look toward the mountain, which stands stoic on a dark horizon. A climb for, well, later. For now, I believe it's memory time. Woo. Hooray! <laughs> Hooray! Memories! Okay, I actually, could I have two? You could have two memories as a treat. Yay! <laughs> it was really sweet when Thea was like, apologize to Polly. <laughs> like, <laughs> you must apologize to Polly. And the others as well, but Polly. <laughs> I lo- Very cute. I liked that too. And uh-huh. I love Tissa's messages. <laughs> They're the best. They're so good. Yeah, I really like how Tissa and and Gideon seem to, well, not, they don't act the same. They definitely seem to be on the same wavelength, though. Mm -hmm. Some sort of similar wavelength. There is some sort of constructor of interference happening. (laughs) I thought this was a nice, cozy episode. (laughs) I enjoyed the camping bonding time. Camping's always good for that because everyone has to work together. Yeah. Uh, I like good dog best friend. I my good I, dog best friend. I really like diving into how much Theo bonds with his familiar because of the fact that he he hates his dad, so he needs he needs someone to to redirect all of his affection to. Aww, he's like, and I think that's why Theo was like apologized to Polly because like Polly's oh, yeah. always there for you. You're yeah. Very he was he was mm-hmm. extremely projecting. <laughs> An extreme projection that was on point, though. Mm. Yeah. That was nice to do a cozy one. Thank you all for doing a cozy one with me today, everyone. It was a pleasure. All right. 
So, um, episode over. Cool. <laughs> episode over, Neat. whole thing. Ep- episode, we're, we're done with the episode, and now we segue into where can they find more of us? If they have cozy camping stories, where can they tell us their cozy camping stories? <laughs> Thanks, guys. There we go. There we go. <laughs> there it is. Thank you so much. Um, if they have cozy camping stories, which honestly I would love, I love camping, they can message us on Twitter at Peach Garden RPGs or hit us up on our website at peachgardengames.com. Our network, Be Gay Roll Dice, has a Discord, and Kathleen and I float around in there. You can tell us about your cozy camping stories in the Sword of Symphonies channel there. We'd love to have you. We actually have already had camping chat. I want to have it again. I can never get enough camping chat, I'll be honest with you. Oh, I want to go camping. (laughs) So yeah, come fill the Discord with camp stories. Yeah. And... A special thanks to our special guest, Dylan, who is here for this arc. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Where can people find you? Oh, oh me? Um, people can find me on Twitter at lasers underscore forever, lasers with a Z. Uh, you can also find the Twitter for our show, our selection, collection of shows, uh, Tales from the Tabletop. It's at TFTT underscore presents on Twitter. We'll be releasing some stuff here soon. I'm still live tweeting the design of our independent game system. So that's exciting. So check it out. All right. Speaking of independent games, we have got a bundle of single player RPGs, not just from me, but from lots of other designers available on itch.io right now. It's called Solo But Not Alone. It's $10, and that $10 is going to Jasper's Game Day, a suicide prevention organization that works with the TTRPG community. So please take a look at that, especially if maybe you're feeling a little lonesome or a little isolated and would like to play a game just by yourself. And that's fine. We're with you in spirit. Mm-hmm. And I believe with that, I think it's time to say thank you, listener. Thank you, and mm-hmm. we love you, as always. <laughs> We absolutely do. You're our very favorite. P.S. This is recorded yeah, on Valentine's Day. Time, so, love. Kirsten! Kirsten! What? The You're recording not supposed lag. to date us. Oh, okay. <laughs> we can cut that. Remember how much I yelled at you when we did the New Year's recording? True. Okay. P.S. <laughs> we love you. No, we're keeping it. We love you, listener. Bye. Later. See you next Bye-bye. time, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. The Room Where It Happened is an actual play podcast built on communal world building and having fun with friends. Currently, we're exploring a world called Bleed a sci-fi setting pulling elements from westerns and setting a space version of our home of Appalachia. It's a place still recovering from conflict, where resources and labor are less exports and more things to be taken for the more prosperous parts of the galaxy, with little thought given to those it is taken from. The Bleed is a place where people find strength in each other and do what is needed to make ends meet 
whether or not the means are strictly legal. It's a place where the objects of work and war are beginning to wake up and decide to take their destiny into their own metaphorical hands. So join us as we follow a found family, as they search for that next job and maybe something a little deeper too. You can find new episodes every Monday on Spotify or your podcatcher of choice. Just search for The Room Where It Happened and check us out on Twitter at RoomWherePod. 